This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. I want to bring you a message today entitled Hope or the Crushed. Jude Actually, there's only one chapter, but Jude verse number 22. So here's what we see. Jude 1, 22 says, Be merciful to those, this is the NIV, be merciful to those who doubt. Does anybody in here ever struggle with doubt? Self-doubt? Faith-doubt? Doubt-doubt? All right. I think that's most of us in the room. And the scripture says, be merciful. Now, we've been in a, a study on, on faith unintentionally. I call this an unintentional series. So as we've been in this unintentional series on faith, I, I think that God's really wanting to speak to our souls and speak to our, our lives. And so as, as we're listening, this is so, so important that you understand that, that God has ordained this moment. He's ordained this time for you and I to be in this place, to hear this word that just because you doubt, God has not given up on you. Over the last few weeks, we, we talked about a few different things in this unintentional series. I preached a message called Run to the Tomb, and running to the tomb, uh, we dealt with the fact that the tomb is empty, and sometimes you need to go back and you need to remind yourself that Jesus is alive. I remember the last time I was at the tomb, it was 5 o'clock in the morning, as the, as the day was breaking, I was standing there, the tomb guard inside the, the, the park there, the uh, uh, garden area, uh, was talking with me, and, and, and he kept asking me a funny question. He said to me, he said, what's missing, Pastor? And I said, well, I mean, Jesus is, is not there. He said, no, what's missing, Pastor? And I said, I, well, I don't know. What are you asking me? He said, no, come on, think about it. You've been here a lot. How many, how, what's missing from the tomb? What's missing from the tomb? And I, I said, well... What's missing from the tomb? I don't know. Look, man, I, you know, just tell me. I'm playing a game with you here. Tell me. He said, Pastor, the door is gone. I said, Oh, you're right. The door is gone. A little wooden door that said, He is not here. He is risen. Uh, and and they closed it at night. And I said, Well, where's the door? And he said, The problem we had was we had just an influx of people who would come and they would close the door and barricade themselves in and say, I'm not coming out until God heals me. I'm not coming out till God delivers me. He said the problem was there's a lot of people trying to get in and see he's not there. Can I tell you something today? That may be impractical as it were, but I'm looking for some saints who will believe God, who are going to get a hold of God, who are going to keep praying, keep praising, keep reading the word, keep trusting God until God delivers you. And then we moved on last week and I called them, I misnamed the message. I should have called last week's sermon Scategories. Because that's how most of our faith is, it's scattered. And Thomas said, I won't believe that he's alive unless I see the evidence. 
And the reality was this. There was a Savior that he had saw crucified. The Bible says he was beaten so brutally that he was not recognizable as a man. And so Thomas said, I don't have a category to think that what was left of that meat that was hanging on that cross could be, could be alive. He said, I'm going to have to see those scars to believe it. And Jesus walked in and said, Thomas, just because you don't have a category doesn't mean that I'm not able. Come on now. And I told you last week, just because you don't have a category for your healing, just because you don't have a category, I feel it this morning, because you don't have a category for your deliverance does not mean that God's not able and he's ready to walk right into your world. And come on now, he's ready to walk right into your world and deliver you. Can I get an amen in this place? Amen. Get your minds off the funnel cakes. You can get there later. Come on, let's get some faith going in this place. Let me say it again. I don't care what bondage you're facing. My God has a category for your deliverance. I don't care what struggle you're going through. My God has a category to bring you through in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, today I bring you this passage to deal with the fact that it says, have compassion on people who deal with doubt. And we all deal with doubt. And the reason that we deal with doubt is because, whether you want to admit it or not, emotional pain is real. Emotional scars, they cause walls that prevent us from going forward. I know of people who have spent their whole lives trying to outrun some emotional damage done to them, and they're trying to outrun it, and it's chasing them down, and there's nothing they can do about it. It's after them with all that's within them. How many of you understand that emotional scars are real? Emotional scars are real. That emotional pain really can affect your body. I was dealing with a young pastor that I've had the honor of speaking into his life. He, he became a pastor far too quick and in, too, in a way that was, I, I don't believe God really intended, but, but he became a pastor. And, and here's what happened. His dad had pastored the church. His grandfather had pastored the church. And, and, and he was sitting there leading worship. And they kept waiting on his dad to come out. And they kept waiting on his dad to come out of his study. And, and so one Sunday morning, he never came out of the office. He never came into the sanctuary. And what they, don't, what they didn't know was, on that Friday before, he had received a phone call. And the phone call was this. It said that I can keep your property in your church's name, but I'm not sure if I can keep you out of jail, but I want to be your lawyer. And the pastor said, what are you talking about? And it turned out that one of their church uh, uh, team members had not paid the taxes due for over a decade. They said, you're going to jail. Your church is going to be exposed in the newspapers. It's going to be a big deal in this community. Local church, you know, dishonest and robs government. And this pastor was so overwhelmed and so brokenhearted that that Sunday morning he was trying to figure out how to take that news to his congregation. Can you imagine that? And he's standing up there, overwhelmed, trying to figure out how to take that news to his congregation. And, he's, and he sits down in his office and died of a condition that they would label on his death certificate as broken heart syndrome. Broken heart syndrome is an emotionally led syndrome that mirrors a heart attack. There, it can be caused by extreme stress, extreme emotions, or serious injury. It's believed that Johnny Cash died from this broken heart syndrome. Now, here's one of the things that you need to understand. Very, very important. It's very, very important that when you begin to deal with emotional scars, you're not always in, you're not always thinking right. You're not, when you, when you've been scarred deeply uh, emotionally, uh, people tell you to rationalize. You can't always rationalize. Somebody pastor, pastor, come on, preach one of those messages. We can shout with you. I'm trying to get you somewhere, but I got to get you the truth in you first. 
And the truth is that doubt is emotional before it's intellectual. You see, doubt wants to rob your processing ability. It wants to get you more focused on how you feel than what reality really is. Because if doubt can get you focused on how you feel other than reality, it can crush you. It can beat you down and make you feel like you're never going to be free. It can make you feel like 10 generations of your family have been bound by this and you're going to die the same way. You're going to be lost the same way. That 10 generations of your family died in a bottle, so you have to die in a bottle. Or 10 generations of your family have ended somehow with suicide and things like that. Let me tell you today, I've come with a message for you today. Those the, The emotions of this world have crushed you. There is hope for the crushed and his name is Jesus and he still heals and he still delivers and he still wants to bring hope to your soul. But Pastor Don, you don't know what I've been through. No, I don't know what you've been through, but I know one who will bore stripes for your healing and he was beaten to a pulp so that he could walk in victory into your life and say, here's the evidence. Let me give you a category for what I can do in your life. Amen. I behaved 15 minutes. Too long. And see, the scriptures show us there's hope for people who are hopeless. The scriptures show us that oppressed people can find hope. There's hope for those who are not glamorous. There's hope, there's hope for those whose lives aren't perfect. There's hope for those who don't feel seen by anyone. There's hope for those who feel like nobodies and castaways because with God, all things are possible. Over and over again throughout the Old Testament, we find the children of Israel. They are the chosen people of God. They are oppressed. They're in the majority of the time. They are somehow a slave or they're somehow being taken captive. And Jeremiah is chosen to send them a message while they're in the middle of their exile, while they're at a place where they've been stripped away of their country. They've been stripped away, taken captive. They've been conquered. They've been dehumanized. They were told they were inferior, and they're crushed, and they've given up hope that God can move for them. They've given up hope that God can do anything. Can I tell you something very, very clearly? What they needed was a word. Let me say it again. What they needed was a word. You see, when you're walking through a season of doubt, you need to guard who and what you allow to speak into your life. Now, it is my joy to study the Word of God. I believe in the foundational truths of God's Word that they will bring you through, that I find more peace in the Word of God than I do anywhere else in my life. If, uh, let me just go climb in the Word. I find joy in the word, but ever so often I get down emotionally and when my emotions hit rock bottom, I just got to, don't make fun of me after I say this, I have to go find something on YouTube to pick me up. And so I go pull up YouTube and I, this is literally what I put in, Pentecostal choir. I'm not looking for some, oh, I'm looking for somebody going, wah. I want them doing flips down the aisle. <laughs> I'm telling you, you're going, Pastor Don, that just doesn't sound like you. I, I said, when I'm down, I got to counteract it. 
Why? Because the lower I get, I, 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 I'm trying to climb out of it. But I, I'm telling you, sometimes you can super, a James Brown, what? you know what I'm talking about, can pull you out faster. You can't live on that stuff all the time. But sometimes, I mean, some of you are like, whoa, whoa. I mean, you've been living on it. You got to have the word. But ever so often, you got to get some of that in your soul. You got to get excited. You got to get a little fire in who you are. You got to get something to stir you up. And so listen to me. You need to be careful who and what you allow to speak in your life when you get doubt. When you start thinking there's no hope for my marriage. Don't go ask your, your 10 divorced friends. You need to go find somebody that God pulled their marriage through hell and brought them back healthy. You need to go find somebody that's been delivered and hang out with them a while. Because watch this. Doubters give birth to doubters. But what you need is a word. Let me say that again. I said, you need a, you need a what? Word. And one more time, you need a what? Word. Well, I just happen to have one for you right here. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, beginning in verse 10, this is the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to you. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. If I had my Bible out in front of me right now with a pen, I'd underline that. You will be there for 70 years. That is so significant, so important. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised. See, you're going to be there for a season, but don't worry because I'm on the way. I'm going to do for you what I promised and I will bring you home again. You're coming back to what God created you for. For why? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you future and a hope. So God wants to give hope for the crushed. Amen. God has something he's wanting to do in your soul. Imagine though who Jeremiah is writing to when he writes these words. He's writing to a people who've given up, give up on God. They're doubting God's promises. They're hearing the enemy say things like this. What kind of people of promise are you? Where is his goodness and mercy that's supposed to be following you now? Anybody ever heard those words? How about this? The enemy shows up and says, I thought you were a child of God. And God's good. Remember, if the enemy can get you to start doubting emotionally, it's going to open the, the door for him to step in and steal your faith. Because we all go through emotional things. Listen to me. Doubt and waning hope are cousins. They hang out closely together. And if the enemy can just get you emotionally charged, he can put doubt in your heart. You know, it doesn't take much for our our emotions to change. Can I get an amen? Can I tell that story again, honey? Thank you. She didn't know what I'm talking about. Here we go. So the other day, we were coming home down 53. I don't even know where we'd been. We're coming home down 53, and my wife, she, she gets all excited. She's, she's like tearing through her purse looking for her phone. I'm driving. She's good. And, and she's looking for I'm like, what are you doing? She said, look, 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 road rage, road rage. I'm like, what? She said, those two cars up there, they're about to kill each other. And I'm going to get it on video. 
you know, I mean, they're all up on, and this truck is like riding all over this other truck, and, and they're, they're slowing down. She's like, be careful, baby, be careful. You don't want to get involved too. That's a word for somebody. <laughs> We're coming up to there. She's just filming him. She's filming poor Charlie. He's sitting in the back seat with his head down like this. Because as she's filming, I start doing like this, in a land far, far away. <laughs> as they approach Gober Hill. <laughs> Just as we got to the two-lane at Gober Hill, he goes, one behind doing all the real rough housing goes, Phew! Just kicks it around and takes off. She goes, ah, oh, I didn't get to fight, didn't get to film him fighting. <laughs> What's wrong with you? She starts, puts her phone down. There's a reason I'm giving you this. She puts her phone down. And I hear a squeal of glee from her side of the car. She goes, my phone, my phone, my phone. I said, what? She said, here comes the cops. Here comes the cops. Woo! She made me slow down so she could film them getting a ticket. Come on, amen. My point was this. Two people out for a normal drive ended up in a road rage moment. Do you think they thought to themselves, let's go to town, see if we can try to kill somebody? <laughs> no. The reality is something cut something off or there was a change or something that they weren't expecting happened and it caused an emotional response that caused them to react in a way that wasn't healthy. Can I tell you something? Some of you, you've allowed emotional responses to trigger your life long enough and it's time for you to make your declaration. I'm not going to stop allowing everybody else's actions to determine my reaction. What's going to determine who I am is whose child I am and I'm a child of the Heavenly Father Father, blood bought, washed in his power. I am delivered in Jesus' name. Just because everybody goes out that way doesn't mean I'm going out that way, man. But I know how it is. Because you get emotional. It makes you start doubting. And Israel ends up in this place that I have to admit that I quoted myself the other day. And it was painful. I was speaking out of emotion and not intellect. When I quoted Jeremiah chapter 12, it says this. I mean, Lord, you, this, let me just say the way the, the tone of it. I'm going to put the tone to it. Lord, you always, you always do what's right when I bring a case before you. So God, I got like this serious problem. I got a complaint. Here's my complaint. Why do the wicked prosper? Anybody ever felt that? I mean, Lord, here I am over here serving you. And why are the evil people the ones that seem so happy? I mean, you've planted them. And they've taken root and they've prospered, Lord. Your name is on their lips and you are far from their hearts. God, they don't even know you. I stood right out here in this parking lot. Literally, in last service, a little one about lost it when I said this. But I said right here in this parking lot one day, I was so mad about something happening in another church, and they were getting blessed on every side. And I said, God, they're living like this, 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 and this. And you know what? Everything I said was true. It was true. And I was so angry. And I knew it was true. I know it's true now because God used me to help 
helped walk through that situation to bring healing. But I was like, God, I don't understand this. This is going on. This is going on. This is going on. God, I don't get it. God, why? 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 And one, all of a sudden, God spoke to me from heaven. And, and I know this is not, not, not the nicest thing. But this is how he has to talk to me. He said, boy, shut up and worry about your own church. Got it. Why? Because I was judging myself against them. Comparison will take you to the dumps faster than anything else. I can do what they can do. No, 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 no. God's working on you. Let me take you back quickly to Jeremiah 29. Here's what he says. He says, all right, guys, you're not forgotten. I see you. I see you. So important. He makes that declaration. I see you. And then he says, not only do I see you, I have a set expiration date for what you're going through. I see you, I have a set expiration date, and then he says, and I have a set expectation. I'm going to deal with those things as quick as I can. First off, you are seen. I know the devil wants to put doubt in your mind to make you think that God's forgotten where you live. That somehow your address has been wiped out of his book. That somehow he's given up on you. That God's walked away. But Jesus sees you right where you are. He sees you right as you are. And he's not afraid to tell everybody, I know you. You know what my truth is about that, though? Not only does he know where I am, he says it sort of like I say to my kids sometimes. I know you, and I know you're kind. Because I am your kind. You see, it's like God is saying to you, I see you, and I'm not afraid of how broken you are. But, but, but you don't know how messed up I am. No, 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 no. You don't know how deep his love goes. The leper comes and falls before him, and the leper falls before him, and the leper says, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. And the Bible says that Jesus said, I'm willing, but it said something else that's super important. He touches him. In other words, he's saying, well, no, 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 Lord, don't look, look closer. And he goes, I see to your soul. And I still love you. God sees where you are. And he doesn't care how much perfume you put on it. He knows when things stink. Because sin stinks. But yet he's willing to embrace you where you are. And then watch this. He told them, he said, you're going to be here for how long? 70 years. Here's what he said. Look, you're going to lose hope. But just keep reminding yourself, we know when this is going to end. There's an expiration date. There's an expiration date. I see you. I know you. 
But there's an expiration date. Well, but, but pastor, I've been in it so long. Some of you want to take our theory around here of real love now. So literal. Like, God, I want it now. And God says, the problem is, if I give it to you now, what I expect for you in the end is not going to look like anything because you can't carry what you can carry now, and you're going to be able to carry then. Good to see my friend this morning. One of the very first converts to this church ever, right up there. Wow, it's been a long time. I was skinny with dark hair back then. We kind of both were. You fared better. If you came in this church, if I'm, there's probably about 35 people in this church when you first started coming. About double that at about 70, God brought back a memory to me this week at the funeral home. As I come into the funeral home, I'm greeted by a lady, and she said to me, she said, do you remember, and she named our first missionary that we really supported, Norma Henderson. She said, do you remember Norma Henderson? Some of you are shaking your head. You remember her. And, and, and I said, well, yeah, I remember her. And she said, I've always wanted to meet you, and I've always wanted to tell you about a prophecy that she gave you. And I said, okay, share it with me. Can I go ahead and tell you? See, I had a, I had a set expiration date on that prophecy, but I forgot about the prophecy, and it still came true. She said, God showed me a vision of cars lined up as far as you could see, both directions, coming into War Hill. And I was ready for that then. I was like, yes, that's God. But here's the problem. A few months after that, we continued to grow. Maybe a year or two after that, we'd hit about 70. We were stagnant. Nothing was happening. I cleaned out my office and wrote out my resignation. Took all my books home, took everything to the house. I was done. Very few people in this church know that as part of our history. I was, it was over for me. And God spoke to me. He said, son, the problem is you've been preaching discipleship and trying to make the gospel in a backroom evangelism class. He said, if you'll preach the gospel and make disciples, I'll grow this church. So I started preaching. I walked to the pulpit that Sunday morning, and I said, this church is now officially in revival. Everybody said, really? It's starting tonight, 6 o'clock. We're having service every, every night until somebody gets saved. Sunday night, nobody got saved. Monday night, nobody got saved. Tuesday night, nobody got saved. Wednesday night, people were like, Pastor, how long are you going to keep going? I said, until somebody gets saved. Thursday night, I don't know if they sneezed at the wrong time, raised their hand or whatever, but they got saved, okay? <laughs> and we prayed for them. And in six weeks' time, a church of 70 won 70 people to Jesus Christ. It was awesome. But we lost half of them. Guess why? We didn't have a nursery. We didn't have enough kids' classes. We didn't have enough parking. You see, I wanted it now. And he said, you got to have to go through something to be ready for what I have for you. Now, I forgot about Norma's prophecies until the other night. You know why the police send numerous officers to our church every Easter and every Christmas? 
because we locked down the road all the way to 400 on both sides. That far, one after another, turning into this property. If we didn't have six campuses and multiple services, we couldn't hold this congregation. You see, we weren't ready then for what God was going to do in us. What does the word say? When I brought you through the fire, I'll bring you forth as pure gold. See, we want to skip the fire, but here's what God sent me to tell you. There's an expectation for you. And you'll want walk in the expectation of what God has for you until you learn to let him do in you what he wants to do. You've been screaming out, God, give me this. And God says, trying to get you ready for it. God, I want to be used of you. Then start walking, start serving, start being faithful. And you might actually forget the prophecy. You might actually forget. That may be something that becomes a thing of your past and it gets lost. But the reality is when you get to the other side and you're reminded, you're going to look back and say, what happened was I stopped seeking the fulfillment of my dreams and the prophecies. And I start, started seeking the one who changes souls and lives. And when I started seeking him, he said everything else in order so that God could do what he said he was going to do. Is God through? with us? No. Are there great things ahead? Yes. Is God going to do mighty wonderful things? I believe it with all my heart. But we're just getting started good 30 years later. We're just getting our feet under us right. But this I do know. We can carry a load today we couldn't carry 30 years ago. We can carry something today because God's been building us all along the way. Do I know this about you? You are not who you were when you started this walk. And he that has begun a good work in you is going to help you go all the way to what he has planned for you. Amen. Why don't you give that kind of God a praise today? Amen. Thank you for not amening as loud as the other services. I'd be dead right now. Um, I'd be with Jesus. But anyways, amen. God's been faithful. God's been good. I don't know everything he's working, but stop letting life's little quick interactions steal your joy stop allowing the scars of emotional baggage from determining your today start believing that God sees you and God's working for your good and it's going to be better than you can imagine on the other end stand with me today if you How many are you thankful for a sermon that has you standing seven minutes before normal? Thank you for your honesty. I guess God sees you. How many would say with me, Pastor? I struggle with doubt, and I need God to heal me. Keep it up, keep it up. Living God. You see our hands. You see our weaknesses and our struggles and our faults and our failures. You see all the things that are wrong in our lives. And I pray, God, that you will forgive us and that you will cleanse us. And Lord, those who are weary, in faith, may they find the compassion of the Lord, and the mercy of God, be built up, strengthened, 
for those present, for those that are watching around this world. God, there is nowhere that your hand is shortened. You're able to deliver everywhere, everywhere, Lord. Somebody, the connection you've been waiting for is coming. Somebody, I believe the job is coming. Somebody, I really believe that spouse that you've been praying for is just around the corner. I'm believing that as God's bringing you through, that the expectation he has for you is better than you could have ever imagined. Stop being willing. Settle for second best when he has your best at mind. Living God, I thank you for what you're doing now. When everybody put your hands down for just a moment, every head bowed, every eye closed. It's our heart's desire that every service of this church present this simple truth, that Jesus Christ came, he died, he arose three days later, he is the Savior who will give you a new life. You can be born again. If that's you today, I want to pray with you right where you are. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. This service is about to be a thing of the past. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I needed to know that God sees me and he doesn't reject me. And today I would like to give my life to Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray with you right there. Can I just see your hand if that's you? Would you hold it up high so that I can see and pray with you today? I'm looking all around this room. Thank you, sir. Are there others? Yeah, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but I'm believing. I'm looking around this room. Are there others that will join? Thank you. Are there others? Thank you. I see that hand, ma'am. Thank you. God's changing lives. God's changing lives all over this place. Up there in the balcony, I'm looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Some are worshiping. Some are surrendering. God's doing mighty things right now. All right. We're going to lift our voice. The Bible says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we would be born again. So with these that are praying this some for the very first time today, let's pray together. Let's all lift our voices. Jesus, by faith, I receive your grace. I come to you imperfect, a sinner in need of a Savior. And in Jesus' name, Heavenly Father, I receive your forgiveness from this moment forward. Jesus Christ, the risen Son of God, is Lord of my life. And now I declare that God is my Father, heaven is my home, and Jesus is my Savior. Amen and amen. Now come on, give God a praise like he deserves. Amen. God is so good. So good. Amen. Praise the Lord. today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.